0: Welcome to The Cycle 365, recorded on June 22nd, 2020. This is episode 38, and I am one of your hosts, Cody Stoffer.
1: I am Simon Vojanos. And
0: I'm Jesse Booten. And today we have a special guest. This is Liam Hughes, who's also an avid fan, and we're going to definitely get his opinion on one of our upcoming segments. Liam, would you like to introduce yourself by... What we do here, kind of a tradition, is what is your favorite sports memory, whether you watched it or participated in it, and uh, why? And just tell us a little bit about yourself.
2: Yeah, hey, my name is Liam Hughes. Uh, My favorite sports memory is watching the 2015 Super Bowl, watching the, the moment before Von Miller strip sacked, Cam Newton, and just the the way the the camera panned to him, and you could see death in his eyes, and you know that he was he was ready to kill. And then the next play happened, and strip sack, and that was the game essentially.
0: Good stuff. Good stuff. And uh, we're very excited to have Liam with us here today, and you know, bringing a bringing another point of view. So our first topic for today is going to be on the discussion on. If sports should come back, if you don't know, there have been a ton of confirmed coronavirus tests amongst college universities, as well as professional teams, and as well as just a spike in cases overall in the country, especially in states that have reopened. What are your guys' thoughts? We'll start with Liam because you're new to the show. What are your thoughts on this recent uptick in cases and how it impacts sports?
2: Yeah, it's definitely um interesting and potentially obviously not good for the for the future of sports, especially college sports in general. Um I would say that I'm of the mind that we should be bringing back professional sports. I think we can uh, we can find a way to make that work out pretty well. College sports on the other hand might have to suffer and take the back seat in this one.
0: That's a that's an interesting train of thought
2: and you know, uh, I'm
0: going to turn it over to Jesse here, being that he is a college football coach. What are your thoughts on that? And then if you guys just kind of want to discuss why you think that,
3: Liam. I was going to say, yeah, uh, have football coach. I have an insider. We are going to have a season. Um, we're going to play almost every single game we had with fans, I believe. So um, I think whether or not I think we should have the – whether or not, uh, have sports back or not, I just wanted to say like, yeah, it's good. it's going to happen. I think college sports, most college sports are going to come back, which is good. I'm happy for it. I think sports should come back, obviously.
2: Yeah, I'm pretty of the mind that if, if, you're, if we're going to do it, if we're going to bring back one sport, we have to bring back all of them. You can't just uh, cherry pick and say, okay, well, the NFL can come back, but we're not going to bring back hockey or, you know, NBA or anything like that. Um, so good to know that we are having um a college season maybe it's not the best choice for the nation and that's where we'll see in the future leading up in the years to come uh whether or not that was that was the best choice but it will be interesting for the very least
1: mind if i chime in
2: no, go, ahead. go
1: for it all right so i, I kind of agree with liam about professional sports coming back then maybe putting a pause on college sports just because if college sports um look i'm l- let's just be honest here i really don't feel like that most universities are probably doing the best they can uh, to prevent coronavirus to do testing i being like straight up i feel like there are definitely some universities who will you know stop the frequency of thing which will eventually make it look like that there isn't anybody you know that tested positive so there's that uh i just i don't know i just don't trust colleges to be super honest i guess at least all of them and i know some of them can't because they don't have the financial you know
0: like the stability
1: yeah the financial stability to you know implement some of these things and you we don't know the long-term effects of the coronavirus. It could honestly, at this point, literally be anything because it's only been out this year, pretty much. So there's there's that, and that's kind of a scary thing to think about. Professional sports, on the other hand, uh, the the thing about them is that they have the money to basically put in any measure they want and do it consistently. And I I know that because you know we've seen plans like the NBA. Um, I guess the MLB has had some plans but not really (laughs) so specifically just the NBA who have some pretty good measures in place that are meant to you know protect the players not only in you know the short term but in the long run as well you know so yeah I mean in my opinion I want sports to come back I think everyone wants sports to come back. But uh, realistically, I do think eventually it might get to the point where there might be maybe a little bit too many cases coming out to actually justify sports coming back, especially for colleges. I know like, like I said, for pro sports leagues who could afford it, I think they could get away with it because they got money to, to do that. Uh, for college sports, at least, honestly, even high school, middle school sports, I'll go as far as that. That might have to be on pause for maybe at least a year you know maybe they might just postpone the season two which would be fine as well i believe
0: see i i don't think i'm of the thought that only pro or only college should come back and i think as far as like urgency goes i think that delaying seasons impacts collegiate sports more so because you have those scholarships that are four year scholarships you have those walk-ons that just earned a scholarship. You have a certain amount of scholarships to give per year. and You have four different levels of classmen as well as grad students. Like there's more urgency with student athletes than there are for professional athletes, you know, like, and as far as like a cost benefit thing goes, like ethically speaking, the, the professional athletes can afford to not play more than the student athletes can, you know? And then it gets into a bunch of fine print stuff where, you know, you didn't play this many games, but you still got your tuition, so you actually have to pay this. And, you know, I feel like there's just not a lot of preparation. So if if one of the two, if it comes down to like a coin toss, I guess, of one of the two coming back, I think it should be collegiate sports because of the position that student athletes are in.
2: That's a good point. And I think uh, that, that's a point that definitely needs to be made. I think the uh, with, with the funding that goes into collegiate sports and uh, sports in general across the entire K through 12 spectrum, um, there's a big, there's a big impetus on let's make this happen. Let's make this happen so that we aren't wasting money, right? If we're going to be putting all this money, this ex- in my opinion, this extortionate amount of money into sports programs, Why should they not be doing anything for an entire year? Why should they not be doing anything for an entire season when that money could be going into the arts, could be going into other programs that could be doing something this, this year, you know what I mean?
1: Yeah, that's a really good point.
2: uh, Yeah. And another thing is just
0: like, like, especially with football on the horizon, right, it's a prime example because. NCAA football is one of the biggest drivers of revenue for the NCAA and college athletics period with all the TV deals that they have and the, the sponsorships and so on and so forth. Right. So if, if they're the NCAA also already experienced a huge loss with March Madness being canceled. Right. And if college football is canceled, there's going to be a lot of money that's usually there that's not there, and that impacts more than just student athletes. It impacts all athletes and the entire
1: economy, really. Okay, so real quick, what was what was the original question again? Because I do agree that if any sports should come back, it should probably be college sports. Um, but ethically, like that, of course. Just, yeah, ethically, ethically, it should be college sports. Realistically, though, I really only think that pro sports leagues, even the minor leagues, if I'm being honest, but, like, the main you know, pro sports, major sports leagues are the only ones that could make it happen and come back because they do have that money. And honestly, even if players do sit, like, there's always going to be, you know, more players that could replace them, which isn't that big of a deal, you know? So, uh, but anyways, what was the original question uh, that you asked, well, Cody?
0: The original question is should sports come back and oh. uh, yeah, we got a little off topic, just talking about, you know, pro versus collegiate and the repercussions of that. But overall, should sports come back is, is the question.
1: Do any of y'all want to get a start on answering that? I mean,
0: I mean, so I mean, you, I can go. You, you asked for the, for the repeat. So you can go ahead and take a stab at it.
1: This is tough. I'm just gonna go ahead and say yes, but like that's a pretty like you know cautionary yes I would say because the so the cons to sports coming back obviously for college athletes I mean that means a lot because we're talking scholarships we're talking pro opportunities and we could go down a level to high school even middle school if I'm being honest I mean that's a whole year of development like if sports doesn't come back that kids are losing and that will affect you know how kids play coming back that could honestly make even some sports a little bit more dangerous like imagine some football teams not being able to hit for almost two years and then you go back to football practice trying to go at full speed like come on now <laughs> let's be real that's not gonna that's not a great recipe uh, you know to, to think about but you know, then on the other hand you got medically what happens if the whole team gets infected and here's the thing about the coronavirus you could definitely get infected more than once like it's not one of those things where you get infected and then you kind of just get used to it so your body can fight it is that right
0: yeah there's been cases of reinfection and recovery cases aren't always just like cut and dry it's like there's full recoveries and then there's just recoveries and that could have long-term long-term damage on
1: lungs and such the thing is almost always the second time you get infected it's much worse and way harder to fight than the first time that's the part that scares me because that doesn't only affect long term that could affect short term and and you know you never know if sports does come back there's definitely a possibility that it increases the chances that this thing mutates and goes for the worse it's a chance you know but I'm going to say cautiously yes. What about y'all?
2: Oh, you're good. I would also say cautiously yes, um, personally.
1: Yeah. Well, why?
2: Well, obviously cautious because who who wants to risk potentially lifetime lung damage for one more year of high school football?
1: Right.
2: You know, that's a, that's a question that needs to be asked and a question that uh, a lot of high schoolers might not have the maturity to ask themselves. Um but you know there's always dangers and there's always there's always issues with contact sports like football you know is is two more concussions in another year worth one more year of high school football to not play in college and in and, and the nfl you know uh, sure um so i think that those are questions that need to be asked but i do think that we can attempt it from an ethical and correct standpoint that makes it possible so i think we should
3: I think sports should come back. Um, obviously, I just think sports should come back. But uh, I'm not going to play that game. I'll, uh, you guys just talked enough about it. So I'm just going to say, you know, coming from a, a coaching posi- per, uh, perspective, I know that sports are going to come back at pretty much all levels because I've been talking to the high school kids, and they're all starting as well. So, I mean, whether we want it or not, it's all coming back, I think.
1: That's a good point. And we'll swing it to Cody on his opinion. You
3: guys
0: bring up – the points that, you know, it has to be cautious and we have to be careful, but, and and don't get me wrong from a sports fan perspective, I want sports to come back. However, if I look at other countries and their approach to reopening sports, they did not do so until their countries started to have the coronavirus under control. Right. And it's not under control here in the United States. It's pretty cut and dry, I think. We can see that we are continue to continuing to escalate in number of cases. And we're just now getting like appropriate testing for it, you know? So that doesn't even include like the very beginning of it as much. And we also have the most amount of deaths from coronavirus in the entire world because of our because of our attempt to try and keep things running business as usual, quote unquote. And I think that honestly, we need to put a halt on everything until this is actually under control. We only stayed inside for one month and masks aren't enforced that much. If at all, social distancing is not enforced that much or if at all. And I feel like we we can see that in the death tolls and the cases continuing to rise. And I think that if we try and reopen sports, especially as Jesse mentioned, if they're going to have fans in the stands, I feel like that's a really bad idea. So I think that sports, I'm not saying to cancel sports for this upcoming season. I'm saying that we need to put them on pause or suspend them until we as a country have it under control and that the government is responsible for, you know, taking care of those that aren't going to be taken care of such as student athletes and, and the likes of that.
1: Yeah, no, I mean, I I could definitely get on board with that. I I agree. I don't, I don't know. Like the thing is, I don't, this is going to sound, I guess it's not that controversial. Let's see. I I'm just not confident in the government's uh, ability to, get this thing together at all if i'm being honest i think everything's kind of i don't know about everything i think but for the most part a lot of the attitudes you know the governments the u.s government that is is taking towards the coronavirus policy-wise and whatnot it's pretty clear that they don't care you know and that they're not gonna they're not gonna make you know um so they're not gonna improve the process i guess at all if even progress it you know so that's that's my thing that's where i'm coming from but no i i kind of do agree that like sports should be on pause not done forever obviously but on pause and i wouldn't mind that either but it definitely you know you can't gotta you gotta commit to it fully you know like so it can't just be like a couple you know states not doing it right it's got to be it's got to be all of them okay my bad i was talking from like more of a high school sports kind of standpoint that you know but uh yeah i mean you gotta everyone has to do it and i don't know if everyone will want to unless the government itself the federal government itself forces them to which i don't think they will either
0: yeah you're right (laughs) you're right and that's why we are where (laughs) we are and why we're discussing in the first place but
1: You know. We could go without sports for another. I think we could go without sports for another fall. Uh, if it comes down to it, and it gets like, super bad, and like all these things are coming out, I don't know if we time stamped it, but we're recording this as of June twenty second, twenty twenty. Wow, no
0: faith in the fact that I definitely time stamped it, bro.
1: You do this to me all the time too, though. So <laughs> yeah, no, I'm just messing with you, Sorry, though. But <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean. We don't know anything about, like, you know, the long-term effects of coronavirus. As of right now, basically, at least in my opinion, we're still in the first wave because this whole thing hasn't mutated yet. Second wave happens when, you know, stuff gets mutated. So that's the thing that scares me. There's almost pretty positive there's going to be a second wave, you know? I'm pretty sure that there's going to be some sort of mutation that makes this thing much more complicated than it is. Yeah. I agree. So um, did you have anything you wanted to add?
2: No, I think you guys put it pretty, pretty well. And I think if I added anything, it'd just be repeating. Fair enough. That does
0: it for all of our takes on Corona. For those who are in the chat, then we're going to, Be right back with our next segment and our guest's area of expertise, esports. Is it a sport? Coming up next.
2: All right, welcome back everybody. Uh with this upcoming next segment that we're going to be doing, we're going to be talking about esports whether or not they are in fact a sport. And let's just jump right into it. Um I'll give my own opinion of that, which is yes. Without a doubt, 100% esports are a sport. Anybody want to give their opinion?
1: I agree. But I agree.
2: 100%? 100% agree.
1: Oh, hold up, what do you oh. mean like, Well, what, what other parts are there to this? Well, like, are there some sports that aren't, or games that aren't considered eSports, or is that what you meant?
2: Yeah, uh, there. I mean there's, so, the issue, one, of, and this is one of the issues with eSports, is that uh, there's a wide range of games, of course. You know, okay. do you consider online chess an eSport, as well as, say, Dota, or League of Legends, or Counter-Strike?
1: Okay. I'm gonna say games that are a little bit more strategically challenging are esports. And like chess is still a strategically challenging game. And I know that because, you know, I- I've played it for a really long time. I-, I mean, like, does that make sense? Like, yeah. Maybe a little with more aspects to it, you know, like not as cut and dry, you know? Yeah. That's- that's what I would say for now. You know, that's what I would say for now. We could get into it though.
2: Okay. Yeah. Cody, do you have a, an opinion?
0: I don't think esports are a sport and I believe that my definition of sport is consistent. And that's that's where my where my stance comes from is my definition of sport and just like I guess the history of sport as well. Being that I believe that a sport is an athletic competition and i just i could i could not bring myself to call esport players athletes just like i couldn't bring myself calling you know chess players athletes or
3: something like that
2: okay and then jesse
3: anything i'm just kind of in the middle you know i'm you guys' advisor i think i think definitely they could be um but there's some things that need to go into it in order for it to be a sport Okay, fair enough.
1: Like, like what? Um,
3: well, I mean, me and Cody have talked about how like a sport is vigorous af- or, like physical activity. Uh, and I guess in some senses you could have that, but you know, I'm just kind of on the fence. I-, I like, I think I care less about it. If it's a sport, or not, I just enjoy watching it. So that's what I'll say.
0: I feel like my stance comes from the idea that. There's nothing wrong with there being a difference between something that's a competition and something that's a sport. Like, it doesn't matter to me if it's a competition or a sport, but there is a difference between a competition and a sport. So I'm saying from like an entertainment perspective, right? Like, esports make money. That is undisputable and it is proven. But I wouldn't say that Like I said earlier, you know, there's something about sports that screams like athletic to me, but they do have, we and Jesse brought it up, we've discussed this in class before, they do have a lot of the other traits that sports do, and that includes things such as a set of rules and guidelines, a governing body, and things like that, as well as, like, ability to generate revenue. So, those are some characteristics that esports definitely have. But to me, I kind of clump esports into the same kind of category as, you know, board games, even where, you know, there's like an aspect of like strategizing and like reacting as well. You know, like I don't think poker is a sport. Just because it's on ESPN doesn't make it a sport. Is kind of what I'm trying to say.
2: Okay, fair enough. Would you So obviously you consider golf to be a sport, right? Yes, I think we all would. But would you say that golf is, is extremely physically taxing in the same way that even baseball is? I would not
0: say that, but there's, you know, kind of like the same idea that like curling, right? Like they're sweeping, they're using their arms, you know, but versus like, like a keyboard doesn't scream like full body to me. Like even in golf, you're still standing when you're doing things.
2: Yeah, but would you would you say that uh when you yourself play Doom and we've all we've all seen Cody play Doom that you're not physically engaging more with the game than you ever do with with golf?
0: Well, I don't really golf. <laughs> but <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'll put that out there. Uh, I have other athletic endeavors that I prefer to do, but you know, i say that you know, there's definitely like a reactionary part, and like reactions are important in both sport and esports. But there's a difference between like pressing a button and then like lining up a shot for for golf, for instance. See, I'd say well, it's
2: it's go ahead, almost, go ahead. The, almost the exact same. I mean, that level of eye hand-eye coordination is so important and so important with you know using the mouse and as opposed to using a keyboard and pressing a button, right? That, uh, I would say that they're almost exactly the same. You maybe have to take more into consideration with golf because you're taking into wind, you know, taking into account wind, uh, speed and all of that and how far you're trying to get and everything that you're trying to do. But I would, I would consider them to be almost exactly the same personally.
1: I had something to add on to Liam's yeah, statement. Okay,
3: yeah, go yeah. ahead.
1: Um no, I kinda agree because see, cause Cody, you said in golf that you're aiming, right? But like there are plenty of sports sorry, there are plenty of video games where you're like aiming, like like whether it's a gun or even like playing 2K or Madden. And so like it's the same thing. The only difference is that like you're controlling um you're controlling basically a software and AI, but you're still doing the aiming. Gets you know what I mean?
0: i i just think that you know well in golf you know use your whole body right like you don't use like like your legs and hips also play a factor into how you can drive a ball you know and like footwork is another thing to consider with golf you know like they're, they're more full body things and you know i'll even say something that some may think that's controversial but in in a line and in accordance with you know staying consistent i don't think nascar is a sport because you know i i don't think that it's athletically demanding and i feel like nascar is similar to esports other than the fact that you're physically like present but like you don't have to be you don't aim with with your feet like you step on the brake you step on the clutch you step on the gas like you're just stepping that's not footwork
1: you know but you're also like you know using a steering wheel and you gotta know angles and whatnot and you gotta time it right and, like it's not you know it's not something that like a robot could do per se i feel because there's also other cars there that are jockeying for positions in nascar and i'm not a nascar guy like the, the i i guess honestly Formula one I've heard a lot about that and I definitely money. consider that a sport because that one's a little bit more intense than NASCAR in my opinion and there's a lot more money put into it so that you know so that people could compete and get better and I feel like honestly anything where you could compete in could be considered a sport you no know? and that that's I, I don't think I said that before so I'm just putting that out there
0: are spelling bees a sport
1: yes memory <sighs> what do you mean uh, like right yeah it's memory like you got to remember all that stuff and you got to keep your composure and like, like it's and there's strategies to it you know
2: yeah i and actually i would agree i do think um spelling bees fall under the purview of sports in my opinion and i think it's it's um not only unhealthy to to consider sports to be this only physical Physically demanding thing, whereas esports or what a lot of people call mind sports would be this intellectually demanding thing as opposed to physically demanding. I think it's actually toxic to 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 view it that way, because then you get the the uh, the stereotype of the dumb jock who who doesn't know anything, even though he can actually pick apart a defense on the football field like like nobody else. You know what I mean? Versus the uh, yeah. the nerd who doesn't isn't able to do ten jumping jacks. When really he can beat anybody in chess. I mean, there's Whoa. there's there's uh, there's been research done that says that a an esports athlete who actually physically takes care of his body, engages in workouts, and engages in healthy eating lifestyles, will do better than his opponents who don't. And. To that case, a lot of teams, and this is a this there's a great history of this in esports where they call them team houses, where they'll they'll bring a bunch of uh, players from a team together in a house out in the wilderness, out in the, out in the mountains. There's a story of uh, Grubby, who was a Warcraft Three player, going into a mountain in South Korea with four other guys, and then being locked up in that mountain for five months while they played video games or a month, or however long they want to do it. And then just practicing and practicing and practicing, and that level of intense dedication, and level of intense study, and intense work ethic, in my opinion, is what allows it to be a sport. And to that point, a lot of Asian nations are labeling it as sport. China in 2003 labeled esports as sports. Um, Japan and Korea are following suit and I think that I'm gonna I'm gonna say something that's a little controversial I think that it's harmful almost potentially harmful to uh, to the Asian nations that we have this this stereotype in our head I think there's I think there's a harmful stereotype about Asians that they don't like they're not good at sports they're not engaging at sports and i think oh, that yeah. yeah and i i think that this would help work with that i help. i think that you know the the you know starcraft 2 is the national sport of south korea we joke about that but it, it kind of really was and is and so it allows them to form a culture around it and so to say that esports is not sports is almost coming to a point of disrespect now where they're saying yes it is this is our culture we we take this as a sport we you know we treat it with all the respect that any other sport would have and we just go nah you're not getting your whole body into a freaking nerds well i'm
1: i'm not going to lie that's okay as someone who is actually asian and know people not just in the philippines but in asian nations who like competitive gamers that's i mean that's kind of facts you know there are obviously places in asia where like like, uh what what are they called like gaming cafes basically where you could just game you know and do your thing and and compete and make money off of it and all that stuff and i mean i don't and there's leagues for it too which my opinion kind of justifies the fact that it is a sport because there are leagues because i'm trying to think of like leagues where like i don't know where like do something competitively and it's not considered a sport and i mean i don't know i'm kind of blinking out i'm not gonna lie but what were you gonna say cody i
0: was just gonna say none of us here have used the word nerd other than liam to describe esport athletes so i'm just gonna put that out there that that's not i'm not trying to be condescending and i even clarified earlier that you know there's nothing wrong with being in something that's competitive I mean, at that rate, you know, you we talk about the dedication and, you know, eating better and being healthier helps you be better at what you do. That's the same for any job, right? Because if you're a doctor at a top hospital, you know, there's incentives to be better than the other doctors. There's incentives to being healthier, you know, so that you can perform better at your job, right? And there's competition within the hospitals and with other doctors across the nation. And there's a lot of time dedicated to it. I mean, you have to go to school for basically a decade before you're allowed to be a doctor. But I wouldn't call them athletes or being a doctor a sport.
1: Well, but they're not competing against each other, like, recreationally, I would say. Like, yeah, I mean, there's honestly, depending on who you are, there's natural competition. Depending on where you are, there's natural competition, like, any setting. But like, I think there's a difference between, you know, being recreationally competitive as in like you're in a league training for actively training for it, trying to get better stuff like that, you know, then, um, you know, just being like, well, hey, I want to be competitive so I could get paid better than this other person. But other than that, I'm not really competing, you know, other than that, you know, just to get paid more like there's no winning competition and that kind of competition really
2: right well, that's understandable uh i want to talk about the the um the importance of recognizing it as a sport which is it's a big deal whether or not you think it is a sport or not um kind of doesn't matter to me in that sense because recognition of it as a sport offers so much to esports whether you call them pro gamers professional uh, ga- gamers or you know esports athletes it can offer a lot of uh, things to them esports athletes now because of the beginning recognition are able to get p-1a visas which is a category designated for internationally recognized athletes this allows them to travel to other countries allows them to um, essentially compete in other nations and have and be recognized as what they are, and that it also allows for recognition for eSports-related injuries. You might laugh and say, "Well, what are there other than carpal tunnel?" Carpal tunnel, obviously being the most important one, but there you know, there are eSports-related injuries. Um, <laughs> they're not quite as impactful sometimes as, say a, a torn ACL, and sometimes they're, you know they're, but they are there. And they are important to, to get insurance for and to get covered and be recognized. So that's, that would be my main issue with it not being recognized as a sport is that you, you essentially take away a lot of the things that athletes are able to get because of that.
0: Those are very valid logistical points. And, you know, while I can't point out, you know, other injuries, you know, I'm kind of drawing a blank, but. An injury to an, to an eSport athlete, especially if it's happening, you know, outside of the realm of sport, like, like if their hand gets broken in like a car accident or something, then their career is probably over. Right. Right. So from that standpoint, I can see where you're going, where you're going and the pros to it and the benefits to calling it to calling it a sport However I just think from from my definition and from the expectations I hold of sports versus competitions that there's just not the athleticism to warrant it and I think that that can be addressed in other ways I mean they have governing bodies right there are leagues you know and th- they're responsible for you know a lot of, a lot of the money comes from sponsorships right and from promotions yeah. and and the marketing of it so especially in, in this online age, right where you know, marketing online is the best way to reach a lot of people, especially people our age. And there's ways for the governing body to ensure they're athletes like 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 as a union of sorts. You know So I don't think by not being called a sport, they're exclusively denied that.
2: Sure, but I think that I'm not, I'm, I don't know too much about this. Uh, to I'm, I'm not too in-depth about, about that level of uh, knowing the logistics of things. But I have to imagine that, you know, 2013 was the first time an a Amer- uh, Canadian was able to get an American P1A visa to be recognized as an international athlete uh, for League of Legends. I can't imagine that up until 2013, people... In America, we're going, nah, we're not going to recognize it. It's not a real sport. You know, it's not r- real, essentially. Or, oh, but can't you just apply for a different visa that does the same thing? Or that does a similar thing? You know what I mean? I mean, they
0: definitely could, As as far as like a work visa goes. Sure. Cause it is a job, you know, it's a full-time job, especially at the, you know, the level that they play at, but there are definitely, you know, the, I think that the, the sport aspect would just makes it easier, but it, it just doesn't, you know, like doesn't fit like the same way that it is with, with
1: other sports.
2: I, under- I understand where you're coming at that from the physical aspect um, but I think that if if you're going to treat these people with re- with with the respect of the competition and with, with the respect of their needs in regards to logistics I think that it would be unbecoming to to treat them as like a separate but equal thing you know what I mean where it's like eSports, well, they're their own thing and yes we do everything for them that we do for sports, but no, we can't just lump it all together. It's like well, why not? Why can't we just lump it all together? Is the semantics of the of the word really that important? You know what I mean?
0: Well, just just from the question, are
2: esports a sport? Right.
0: <laughs> then then no. That that's the question being asked. Is right. are esports a sport? Right. That, that that's it it doesn't that like it, this question is about semantics
2: fair enough and that's that's another so. reason why i would consider them a sport because they have similar needs in that regard and they have similar um desires in that regard as far as the competition that they're trying to get done simon any uh any input
1: no so yeah input i mean i know i just sent cody a snap is, uh, I just swept the Clippers in my my player mode, you know. So good status. It was my rookie year, and it was MVP. Averaged like forty points a game. Wow,
0: well, I can't believe that on rookie.
1: Uh, I don't know if you could actually prove that, but you can't. So, <laughs> <here> you <go. laughs> anyways, uh, on that note, yeah, no, I mean, I totally agree. Like, it is kind of unfair to give esports don't know why i just thought of a meme i'll bring it up later but it is kind of unfair to basically give esports all the classifications and i guess some of the perks of a regular sport and then not call it an actual sport you know what i mean and i'm the meme real quick that i was thinking about was when you know anakin from star wars got onto the jedi council but was not given the rank of master that's what i was thinking because hey man like look i mean we're, we're talking strategy wise like there's a lot of thinking that has to go into esports right and, and that it depends it's it varies you know from sport to sport or from game to game i would say for sure just like in normal sports how you know it varies the skill set you need from sport to sport so there you go you know when it comes to you know visas funding scholarships all that stuff i mean it basically gets the same stuff that regular sports gets. So I don't know. And, and then going back to my original argument, you know, like something that you could do competitively, like actually win at, you know what I mean? Like you could be in a league and do this competitively as aren't, I'm pretty sure like most sports, like you gotta be in a league in got to be able to compete obviously. Cause if you can't compete, then there's no winners or losers. So that's, in my opinion, that's what, you know, that's, that's what a sport is. And I, I'll backtrack a little bit about my chess argument there. I, I would consider it a sport, you know, because it's still a strategy and whatnot. Like I said, it's just different skill sets.
3: I don't know if you guys touched on this, but... Come on. Uh, I mean, when I said physical, like me and Cody said physical, like vigorous physical activity earlier, it can mean on the brain, like I think... yeah. The brain Ooh. thing too so i mean it may not be physical like on the body muscles but the brain the brain could be physically packed too and i think that could go like be an argument for it being a, a sport
2: yeah that's very fair yeah and um to go further with this i think one one thing that is maybe going to give cody some pause going into the future is vr and vr sp- uh video games and vr esports um which maybe would help bridge the gap between regular sports and regular esports now at this point where you say, okay, here's a here's a list of five VR players and they're going to play Madden online and they're going to, you know, they're going to run around they're going to move and they're going to move control their characters physically it's just going to be Madden well, I was just going to say I was
0: kind of thinking about that when Jesse was like you know, the brain is a muscle too. I mean, there's already some things where, you know, you put, you know, like these little diodes on your head and you can move stuff, right? Just depending on like your brain waves and stuff. So I'm like, well, you know, at, at what point when you're just like sitting and you just think is, is, would something still be a sport, right? Like if there is like a league of, of like football where, you know, just to go, 50 years past where Liam is talking about maybe a hundred years past where Liam is talking about. Right. Where, you know, it's not necessarily like, like football is overtaken by the best thinkers and the fastest reactors. Does that like, would football still be a sport, you know, or I guess they'd call it like brain football or something brain ball. Maybe that's a good name. And it's, you know, just people like just thinking, and it's playing out on like a virtual playing field like where that would fall
2: you know yeah and there i mean that's the thing about esports is that it, it's a growing field nobody knows what the uh the cap for it is obviously the biggest issue is getting women involved but that's always been a big issue with sports in general
1: yeah um, that's a problem
2: <laughs> at, at uh, that's right, they're, they're all sports you know because that's just a problem period yeah i think esports has even lower uh female viewership than than regular sports does um so that's that's definitely an issue that we got to figure out but you know esports is less there's been less discovered about it and less uh there's more room to grow potentially than with regular sports at this point so we'll see in the, going into the, into the future yeah so uh
0: you know Liam or Simon, you were about to say something.
1: The question is, will the Cycle 365 cover esports in the future? You already have we do technically already have an article on um I wanna say it was a League of Legends match. It's on our website at the Cycle 365 if you haven't checked that out yet. So it's my only question.
0: Well, I mean, if uh physical sports are put off and It comes to that, I'm just gonna have to swallow my pride, won't I? (laughs) If we need content, we gotta we gotta do something for the viewers here, or the listeners.
1: We're the one who was saying that, you know, there shouldn't be any sports. (laughs) Oh, esports you could play at home.
2: Yeah, this is very
1: COVID friendly. Not not in that way, but you know, like COVID environment friendly. I mean, so
0: sorry, I'm laughing at just the way that you clarified. <laughs> Not in that way, but... <laughs>
1: I didn't know COVID was uh, in an alliance with eSports. Anyways.
0: Jesse, do you have anything else to say? No. no I think All right. So with this segment ending with me back into a corner, I'm going to have us transition into back into a segment that we've dropped for... Gosh, it's probably been like since 2019 that we last did this, right, fellas? Yeah, so we're gonna talk top five NFL safeties of all time coming up next.
3: Welcome back to Cycle 365. After our heated debate about eSports, um, we are now going to, yeah, like Cody said, our top five safeties NFL, NFL safeties of all time. So here we go. Um, I'll go ahead and go first. So at number one, I have Ed Reed. Plain and simple. Cool. I think Ed Reed is the best safety of all time. I think he, you know, is, well, he wasn't the first safety that ever was, was really good. He, but I think he just encompasses everything that a safety is and people before him like obviously there were people before him but he he set the tone for people before him and after him really so i think ed reed's number one i have ronnie Lott at number two i have troy Polamalu at number three brian dawkins at number four and then you know gonna go go with the the homeboy here a little biased but number five steve atwater so that's my five
0: what do you guys think i think that's a solid list and we'll you'll be hearing some of those same names with me here in a bit.
3: Yeah. I know, I know Simon's probably happy that, that Troy made it there. Um, you know, he has the lot, the luscious locks. So.
1: I was, I was a little surprised. I'm not going to lie, but I know you and Troy are both on a uh, team flows. So. Yeah. No, I mean, <laughs> uh, and,
3: and I want to say that it's, it's like, I know it's, you know, a lot of people say yes or no, because it's just the Steelers Steelers thing, you know, but. You know, I think Troy Polamalu is has some say in what the safety is nowadays. So, so yeah, that's why I have him at number three.
1: That's fair. That's fair. Okay. So. All right,
0: Simon. Uh, I think that's a good go segue for you to go ahead and introduce us to your list, being the okay. uh, Steelers fan, and with Jesse having some Steelers representation. Jesse, don't worry. We'll we'll, ta- we'll talk we'll talk the homeboy
1: some more. So
3: that water yeah i'm sure he'll be in yours cody too but yeah and then i'll I'll say my honorable mentions at, at the end but
1: yeah that's right okay um first look <laughs> this was kind of hard to put together i'm not even about to cap bro like like i thought it would be kind of easy because it's safeties and like if i'm just being honest there, it's not like there's a whole ton of safeties in the hall of fame compared to some other positions But this is definitely hard, and we're splitting hairs here. But uh, I'll go into my explanations later. I'll just, like, rattle mine off real quick. But at number one, I have Ronnie Lott. At number two, I have Paul Krause. At number three, I have Ed Reed. At four, I have Brian Dawkins. And then at five, just barely, I have Troy Palamalu. So, yeah.
0: I was just going to say pretty modern, other than the Paul Krause entry.
1: Yeah, pretty much. And if y'all want to just go ahead and say y'all's list and then we could just talk it through like one or five down to one then we could do that
0: all right liam do you want to go next uh no you go ahead all right sweet what a gentleman so uh, at, <laughs> at number one i have ed reed number two i have Ronnie lot those are names that i'm assuming we'll be hearing on liam's list as well at number three i have paul Krauss. At number four, I have Emlyn Tunnel. And at number five, I have Steve
2: Atwater. Interesting. All right. You guys are going to hate me for this. Uh, Number one, I I think Ronnie Lott. I think Ronnie Lott. Um, Mm -hmm. But but Ed Reed Reed is close. Ed Reed is really close. Um, So I I put Ed Reed at number two. Number three, I put Brian Dawkins. I think that's pretty fair. Um, Number four, here's the one you're going to hate me for. Steve Atwater. And then number five, you're gonna hate me for this one as well, John Lynch. Hey, I see
1: you. I see you right <laughs> okay, now. Okay. <laughs>
0: uh, I ain't hate you at all, but
1: <laughs> I don't hate you at all. It's I don't know. Like I feel like your list is kind of close to mine. Not gonna lie, for maybe two spots.
2: Well, yeah. I was I was considering putting Rod Woodson. I think Rod Woodson would be my um, my number six, maybe.
1: Okay. So we were talking about this before. Um there are a lot of corners who switch to safety like later in their career or whatever, like, you know, Deion Sanders, Charles Woodson, just to name a few. Uh Rod Woodson as well. So I I mean I, I wanted to clarify this that with safety, we're just going with we're basically just going with players who played safety for the majority of their career. Woodson, they, it said that he played cornerback a little bit longer than safety. So that's, whenever we get to cornerback, which may or may not be next week, then, you know, he'll probably be there. But no, Rod Woodson, if we were including, like, everyone, Rod Woodson would probably be up there.
0: That's fair. If we if we just said defensive back, which we talked about doing, then, then that would, obviously, like, Rod Woodson would be up there because he played two positions so well but there's just so many players that you leave out. If you just do top five defensive backs. I mean, there's already, I feel like there's already a ton of safeties that I couldn't squeeze into the top five. I think, I think I was the only one that didn't have Brian Dawkins, right? You yeah. might've been, yeah. Jesse, did you have
3: Brian Dawkins? Um, I did have Brian Dawkins.
0: Yeah, so I, I, was, I was the only one that didn't have Brian Dawkins and he's an honorable mention. Like I didn't forget about him entirely. You know, he's a baller and you know, he's, and he's elite, you know, he's one of the best safeties of all time. But I mean, Paul, uh, I also, I looked at a lot of numbers for this. Like if you guys saw my whiteboard right now, it kind of looks like an absolute nightmare, but, um, <laughs> you know, I have Paul Krause at three and Emlyn tunnel at four. Cause respectively they have 81 interceptions, which is the all time leader and 79 interceptions with tunnel. So. You know, just like, and and those were during eras where the ball wasn't passed as much. So it's almost like, like the percentage of passes that they intercepted versus, you know, a guy like Ed Reed, who is my number one. You know, I do clarify that, but, you know, the percentage of chances to have an interception and then to make the interception were way lower. And for those numbers to be as high as they are, it's incredible.
1: Yeah, I mean, I completely agree that's why I personally had Paul Kraus. I, I think I had him at number two Pretty sure because of those 81 interceptions I mean Paul Krauss I, I also have Paul Krauss at number two I mean we'll just get right into it I have him at number two because I feel like he definitely kind of you know changed the position a little bit like he was one of the yes first ones to revolutionize a position. You no, know, like, I mean, because every position has that one person who revolutionizes it, whether it's like Johnny Unitas with the with quarterbacks or uh, Don Hudson with wide receivers, you know. And I feel like Paul Krause is definitely somebody who, who helped, you know, do that and was a part of a great Vikings defense.
0: He's on the back end of the purple people leaders. And I think you, you bring up a great point, Simon, with talking about how it changes like a position, you know, like their responsibilities and revolutionizes it. And that's why Atwater cracks into my top five because I don't think you have guys like Troy Polamalu or Rodney Harrison was another guy I left off this list where they're able to play up in the box and basically be a linebacker a lot of the time if you don't have Steve Atwater who has, you know, generations of kids growing up being like, yeah, I want to play safety because you get a 10-yard head start before you hit somebody. Like, so that's why Atwater was so important to me and why I got him here at five. Je- Jesse, what was your reason for having Atwater and then we could probably jump over to Liam too?
3: Um I had him at number five because well obviously he was you know I would say you could could, could kind of say he invented the big hit hitting safety, you know? Um plus his Bronco guy. <laughs> yeah. yeah that's fair too. But that's really all I got.
2: Yeah, I would, I would say a uh, pretty similar thing. I, I think, you know, talking about Rod Woodson, um, you know, talking about safeties that can play cornerback, Atwater was a safety who could play linebacker. And if he did play linebacker, he would still probably be a, a Hall of Fame line, linebacker. You know what I mean? So he's, he's one of those guys who he... Of course, he didn't play linebacker, but they, they still played him almost like he was a linebacker, regardless of that fact. So that was... Uh, him and him and those defenses carrying uh carry, helping carry John Elway for for so many years up until we re, we really got clicking on the offense that that means a lot in in consistency and he's somebody who played almost his entire career all but one year with one team that also means a lot for me. I know there's uh, there's plenty of great safeties out there who who played for multiple teams but that adds something to me when when a team is willing to go out of its way to make you their guy for forever. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah, forever do be kind of a long time.
2: Yeah,
1: not wrong. Yeah. Um, um, I am I the only one? Oh, sorry, go on.
2: I'm not. I'm. I don't see uh, interceptions as being the end all be all of, of safety stats. I think I think tackles are more important personally.
1: Ooh. Yeah, no, I mean, I agree. I feel like that's safety, you know, you got to, you, you kind of got to do it all. You know, interceptions are important, but, you know, being the guy that has to clean stuff up, that's very important as well, and I get that. Um, I was going to ask, I'm the only one who didn't have Atwater on my list, right?
2: I think so, yeah.
1: Yep. Oh, that <laughs> says a lot, considering there's three Broncos fans in the room and one Steelers fan. <laughs> Don't worry, I represented, I represented the Steelers. But yeah, no, I know that. I know that. And I appreciate that. I mean, (laughs) reason. So I'm just going to be honest. Like I really couldn't have made this list that including Troy Palamalu. And that's just a personal reason um, for me, you know, and all respect to Steve Atwater. He's somebody who I really wrestled with. Like I wanted to put him right up there at number five or four or whatever. I just couldn't. And that's just because first off, as a Okay, not just as a person of color, as an Asian American, you know, it, it means something having, you know, having, okay, I should say this as as a Filipino, you know, there's a lot of similarities between, you know, islanders, Pacific Islanders, that is, and then um, Asians. And for me growing up, Troy Palomalu was like the one role model I could look at and be like, hey, that's somebody that's kind of like me and that. I could I could be someday because up to this point like I mean, I'm just being honest like there aren't a lot of you know, Asians in the Hall of Fame there aren't a lot of you know uh how should I say this you know Islanders like Samoan Tongans like stuff like that in the Hall of Fame and Troy Palomalu was definitely somebody who culturally like kind of opened that door to a degree and of, of course there are guys like you know like a junior sayao, uh rest in peace and even um uh Roman Gabriel who was the first Asian American to play football by the way he was a Filipino who played quarterback for the LA Rams back in the day in the 60s or 70s a long time ago and I really do feel like that I had Troy over Atwater just because of what he meant culturally to, to people like me and so and that's just my bias it's my top five list so I could do what I want with it. it's just me explaining why I didn't have Atwater on it well, sure.
0: sure. yeah, and it and it totally makes sense. And you know, as as far and, and I'd say that, you know, a, a lot of mine came down to stats, you know, Steve Atwater had some tackles, and that's why Palomalu didn't make my list is mainly a statistical reason. But you're right, culturally speaking and revolutionarily speaking, Troy Palomalu is very important to that and you know displayed high IQ at all times on the field. And I also want to add on, Troy Palomalu was probably the most fun safety to watch when i was growing up other than ed reed you know because he he would jump the snap count and sack quarterbacks before they could hand off the ball and you know he lived up to his nickname of of the tasmanian devil because he really did fly sideline to sideline so
1: hey i thought brian dawkins was the tasmanian devil no he was wolverine okay mind Bruh. <laughs> well, bro, say, bro, they're he, like the same animal. What, what do you mean? You're going
0: to say, say he's my hero and not even know his nickname?
1: Oh, I was loud wow, bro.
2: <laughs> yeah, I, I struggled with Ed Reed personally because, uh, as many people probably know, he, he never even broke 700 tackles, but he obviously had the most interceptions and was probably the most dangerous uh, defensive back in backfields regardless i mean his his low tackles is is because of his high passes defended you know 139 passes defended and broken up and that that means quite a bit obviously you know what i mean i was
0: gonna say speaking speaking of ed reed jesse were you the other one who had ed reed at number one
3: yeah i'm at number one
0: so we got two here for team ed reed as the best safety of all time we have two here for ronnie lott being the best safety of all time jesse do you want to give like your reason for ed reed
3: being the best safety of all time um i think i touched on it a little bit at the beginning but i think i think he just basically molded what safeties are really you know now and you know people even that came before him were were still compared to him after after the fact obviously but i think You know, when we're talking about, obviously, stats come into play here and stuff like that. But when we're talking about just best of all time, you know, you want the guy that basically made the position the way it is. And I think that that's what Ed Reed did. I think he, you know, he was a ball hawk, but he also could lay the wood. So, I mean, like, I think that's when you're looking at safeties now, especially as a coach evaluating players, you know, you're looking for that stereotypical type of safety. And without Ed Reed, that kind of safety. I want to touch on, you know, Paul Krause one more time because we've talked a lot about him and being, you know, the leader in interceptions. But you know why he's the leader in interceptions, right? Because, I'm proud of this, but my boy Gary Quazzo, you know, they play on the same team. And while, yes, it's awesome that he played in the NFL, he threw a lot of interceptions. And so, you know, Gary throwing him interceptions in practice. He was ready for it. (laughs) Oh... I
0: don't know if that's a shout out or if that's shade, but I hear you. And uh,
3: it, it's it's you know a little bit of both. I think it's hilarious. <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay, uh, yeah. Uh, Liam, do you want to take the lead on the Ronnie Lott is number one safety argument? Yeah,
2: yeah. For, I mean, it. if if we're gonna go just straight for for uh, stats, right? If that's what we want to do, Ronnie Lott has eleven hundred forty six tackles to Ed Reed six hundred forty three. Ronnie Lott has 63 interceptions to Ed Reed's 64. Now, Ed Reed doubled Ronnie Lott's interception return yards and has uh, four more touchdowns, defensive touchdowns, than he did, than uh, Ed Reed does, or than Ronnie Lott does. But uh, Ronnie Lott even forced more fumbles and had more fumble recoveries. So if we're just going to go straight off of off of uh, stats, I think Ronnie is just clearly ahead of the game, you know, for being able to be kind of in the same vein as Ed, as an Ed Reed and get that many interceptions, maybe not being as dangerous on the return as Ed Reed was, but still at that point being able to, like Jesse said, lay the wood and, and get 1,146 tackles, that's beyond impressive. That That alone qualifies him in my mind as the number one
1: yeah he also was the first i mean because ronnie lott is older than ed reed so ed reed definitely looked up to ronnie lott in a way you know and uh i mean here i'm gonna add this in real quick about ed reed he also had ray lewis and uh what's his name suggs for a really long time that kind of contributes to the reason why his tackle numbers aren't as high but if we go to interceptions then I mean that that kind of takes a hit too because you got two really good linebackers that are you know putting on putting on the pressure like they're you know covering up their guys or or rushing off the edge. So I mean I'm not gonna lie with Ronnie a lot I maybe it's just because he's older I can't think of a lot of other quality hall of famers on that 49ers on those 49ers squads I guess. As, at least as, as significant as a Ray Lewis or Terrell Suggs.
2: Right. Ray Lewis, as we, as we all know, the, uh, tackle leader in the NFL. Yeah. And, uh, you know, you guys
0: bring up a lot of good points and you know,
1: Ronnie law is a
0: dude, like it's not with, with with this discussion. It's not like in my eyes, there's not like a, a gap, you know, it's neck and neck with like the difference being like a hair you know, as far as like how close this is. And I think something that just really does it for me with Ed Reed is just the way he was able to impact all aspects of the game. Like he's the only player in NFL history with a punt return for a touchdown, a punt block return for a touchdown, a fumble return for a touchdown an interception return for a touchdown. Like he was able to score on defense the way that no defender ever has. And I don't know if any defender ever will again, you know, especially with the rules, but being a bit harsher on cornerbacks these days, but you know, he, he had a nose for the end zone. And I'm pretty sure that he's a couple of touchdowns ahead as far as like pick sixes go ahead of the next guy. And, you know, just, just the way he was able to play the ball. And, you know, you brought up a lot of good points that, you know, the teammates matter a lot, but man, he maximized, his value for that Ravens team and really left a stamp on it and you know have obviously growing up with Ed Reed makes it a little bit biased just because I was like man he's literally picking us off all the time like this sucks but like you know Mm -hmm. just just the way that he did it I just I think a lot of it is just like kind of just you know a lot of it's like the confidence that you play with and when Ed Reed stepped on the field there is no better safety in the game like you knew that watching the game. You knew, don't throw it to Ed Reed. And it's like, well, well, where is he? He's everywhere, is is the honest answer. So, you know, just his nose for finding the end zone. But it's not like a huge gap. And Ronnie Law obviously has, like, the championship advantage, too. Which leads me to one of my shout-outs is I want to shout-out uh, Willie Wood for the Packers, who won three NFL championships and two Super Bowls. And he got 48 interceptions, even though he was, like, blind in one eye so (laughs) if you don't know your history look up willie wood he's a dude
1: okay
0: i guess that's a good segue what are some oh we've we've thrown some names in but what are some honorable mentions for you guys as far as names that were really hard to leave off the list
1: uh have we talked about brian dawkins at all though i'm gonna leave him off the list
0: I did not talk about Brian Dawkins. That was more of a, it's just really close, okay. kind of thing. Did but anybody read Brian Pro, Dawkins off the list? Just it? me.
1: Um, so he's an honorable mention, though, right?
0: I'm. He's number six. <laughs> like, okay. right there.
1: Come not higher.
0: Uh, I just feel like, uh, I don't know. I don't know, because the other guys are better.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Good one. Nice. All right.
0: uh, Welcome
1: to first take.
0: (laughs) I mean, I feel like, you know, there's different reasons for all the guys that are ahead of him. You know, um, one guy that I had was Emlyn Tunnel, and he's in a very similar boat as Paul Kraus. They have the same number of Pro Bowls, and he has more championships even, and only two less interceptions. So I read into the interception leaderboard quite a bit there as far as putting those guys back to back and then you know having Atwater ahead of him comes down to you know importance of the game he has one more Pro Bowl and while it's not really fair to compare championships with the safety position Atwater was really important to those two Super Bowls for the Broncos and appearances leading up to then.
1: Fair enough I'll I'll kick off fine Oh, so, one person who was uh, was an honorable mention that I haven't mentioned yet was Larry Wilson. He played for the Cardinals back in the day from 1960 to 1972. We're talking about someone who could revolutionize the game. Larry Wilson was definitely one of those guys who, you know, who made the safety blitz a normal thing, you know. And obviously, as well, you know, he ended up with 52 interceptions, which is kind of a lot for, uh, you know, for a time where not many people threw a lot, as we mentioned Glenn. And he kind of did his thing back in the day, and he definitely deserves to be on a all-time safety list. Just not this top five one.
0: If we made it top ten, this would have been easy, in my opinion. (laughs) Like, there's just ten that are the rest. But that's what we do. A cycle. We make the hard decisions.
1: We have to. About you, Liam. Who's an honorable mention?
2: Honorable mention for me would be Dennis Smith. Yeah. Bronco player, Um,
1: gets overshadowed
2: by Atwater quite a bit, but kept up with Atwater pretty well uh, with tackles, had 1,171 tackles to Atwater's 1,180. Atwater, he even had more interceptions than Atwater with 30 to Atwater's 24, Uh, and more sacks, 15 to Atwater's 5. So uh Dennis Smith helping with atwater on his team just really set the set the defense apart for for those years and um I would I would still put atwater higher because I think the the impact he's he's had on the Broncos is bigger. Uh Dennis Smith left before the he left in 1994. He started playing in 81. So he he never got any uh championships with us. But um I think I think Atwater had the bigger impact on the team at the very least, and did more over less years, so that's why I put Atwater over uh, Dennis Smith. But Dennis Smith's still one of those key Broncos safeties.
0: Good stuff. Dennis Smith definitely overlooked. Jesse, are right. you gonna echo Dennis Smith, or you or you got a different honorable mention ready for us?
3: No, I got I got a different honorable. Mention. I actually have two. Um. Well, first of all, John Lynch has to make my honorable mention list. I know he wasn't in my yeah. top five, but he has to make that honorable mention list. And then the two guys I want to talk about, well, on my honorable mention list is Sean Taylor.
2: Ooh. Oh, yeah. Great one.
3: And one. I want to go one. with also one. a more recent guy just for, for our listeners. So I'm going to go Cam Chancellor. I think Cam Chancellor could be an honorable mention as well.
1: Interesting. Yes, I
3: was about
0: to say, what uh, what made you choose Cam Chancellor over Earl Thomas? You know, just... uh.
3: You know, you you guys remember that uh, that scene with <laughs> when Earl Thomas broke his leg?
1: Oh, oh, yeah. oh <laughs> him flipping off <laughs> Seattle. But, yeah. Okay, okay. it. So, yeah.
2: yeah,
0: him Chancellor hits harder, but he's for the kids. Uh
2: huh. That's fair. That's fair.
0: That's not even the tip of the iceberg when it comes to Earl Thomas. <laughs> yeah,
1: that's true Actually, <laughs> with the stuff going on now eee! Why? Like, what? Right, never mind. Sorry. <laughs> I'm a chill, I'm a chill I'm out here trying to judge this dude
0: Bro, like, his life was on the line, bro Cut him some slack
1: What do you mean his life was on the line? What do you mean What
0: do I mean? Did you not hear about
1: that? The incident where his wife pulled a gun on him? Yeah, bro Oh, she wasn't gonna shoot him. She probably wasn't gonna shoot him. I'm
0: like, I I mean, she didn't, and that's the important thing. But bro, let him be.
2: Why with your brother, dude? That's just weird, man. Bro, (laughs) bro.
0: that's the problem that Liam has with it. Oh man,
1: no, me too. Though, like, don't hold up. Like, don't get it twisted. Like, that's that's kind of sus. I'm not gonna lie. Well, it is sus. I'm I. I'm not <laughs> lying. It is sus. Anyways,
0: <laughs> uh, this uh, this just went from the top five safeties of all time to an Earl Thomas roast session, and that's why Cam Chancellor's better.
2: <laughs> yeah, well, I mean oh, Cam Chancellor good. did more with less time. To be to be fair, argue.
1: Hold up, What do you mean more? Like like tackle wise, stat wise, or?
2: Yeah, I mean, Earl Thomas has been in the league three years longer at this point, and he's gotten only 100 more tackles. Earl Thomas, 713 tackles. Cam Chancellor, uh, crap. Gotta pull it up.
0: Well, I mean, Earl, they're two different safeties, and that's why they went so oh, well together. Oh, for sure.
2: Yeah. No, I, I just mean, thought with
0: Jesse having Ed Reed as the, Reed the big number one, that I'd be like, uh, oh, Earl Thomas, he's kind of like Ed
3: Reed too.
2: He is kind of like I Ed don't Reed too. I don't Reed, know. But not like not, maybe not the greatest guy in the world.
3: Character is key.
2: Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. yep, yep. Unless you're playing Moneyball, but, you know, we're, we're not playing Moneyball.
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, hey, Jesse, you mentioned Sean Taylor. Um, I'm kind of sad that none of us mentioned him before this and we kind of just forgot about him. Do you want to expand well, on my, that?
3: He was my number six. Okay. Um, yeah. Along he, along the lines of character, since we're just talking about it, he was, he was a good guy. And yeah, I mean he played he played well on the field and I think you know, I think he deserved a, a shot on it because, you know, he was an all around player, all around round dude.
0: Yeah. It's really a a shame what happened, you know.
3: Yeah.
2: Yeah. No, he, I'm also know, nobody knows where his, his career could have gone, the heights that he could have gotten to, you know what I mean? He could have been the best ever. He could have been or, you know, he could have just been great but you know the, the the world was his oyster really potential very high yeah
1: yeah bro um i'm not gonna lie like i can't really imagine sean taylor spending his whole career with uh with that washington team he definitely would have left for like the patriots or something and probably have won them one more super bowl than they have now Anyways, uh, just been. throwing that out there for any team like he could have went to any team and like maybe give them one more super bowl than they have now so that's that mean, out there.
0: when your franchise drafts jason campbell as their savior huh. then
2: <laughs>
0: that spells doom yeah you dead meat at that point uh i'm also going to give a shout out to ken houston by the way 12 time pro bowler for the uh oilers back in the day just just because that, and obviously john lynch is elite and uh, yeah i don't have anything else on safeties unless you guys do
2: Nope, I'm done. Big big shout out to Landon Collins.
0: Landon Collins? (laughs) Wait, why? Boy, I think you meant T.J. Ward on that 2015 defense, baby.
1: What? T.J. (laughs) Over both of y'all meant Minka Fitzpatrick.
0: What do you mean T.J. over Darian, dude? Darian Stewart more important than that one. T.J. was the T.J. had a lot to do with the swagger that that defense had.
2: Oh, he did for sure, but I think Darian was like that. He was, he was the,
0: uh, you know, you know, he, he was <laughs> good, but, but you know, that's for another day. Where, yeah. where, we'll just make Simon sit on the sideline as you, Jesse, and I just reminisce over the good times. Yeah, that are already dead. <laughs> no, they're not. It's lock and load season. But oh, you're right. If that does it oh, for what a
1: what? A, what? what? Alright, go on. What do you mean lock and load season? That oh, Whoa,
0: dude. no, that's like what we say. That that's like like Drew is that's what y'all locked, say? like yeah. locked and loaded, you know? Like like we're locked like lock is the quarterback and we're loaded because we have receivers.
2: Yeah, dude, Corton is in session and Judge Judy is presiding. Bitch!
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, y'all beat the Steelers first week too, and we'll see if I take y'all seriously. Well,
0: Ben breaks his arm in half, and Duck Hodges is out there.
1: Could still beat you. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Anyways, (laughs) last segment coming up is going to be a fun one.
1: What's good y'all welcome back to the cycle 365 this is episode 38 and we are on our last segment that we're recording on june 22nd 2020 by the way and we're introducing a new segment that was actually cody's idea called good take bad take where we reflect and react to our own takes back in the day so i believe this take was episode one is that right cody yeah i'm episode one that is and I'm saying Cody because he was the one who made the take. And don't worry. Well, we all have made some pretty bad takes. Yeah, but, you know, this week it's Cody's turn. Because <laughs> it was his idea. So uh, we're going to play that clip now.
0: See, I think it's funny that you bring that up. Because I have Michigan as my Ooh. team to jump into the top four. Because right. of Urban Meyer's absence. I feel like Urban Meyer, more than, you know... They've had a couple of humps the past few years. They got that punt that got blocked by Michigan State that ruined their season and they <laughs> haven't been able to beat Ohio State with all the chips on the table including the throttling that they experienced last year. True. But I feel like I feel like this Michigan team is ready to take a step forward and it's because of it's not because of the Michigan team itself, I guess. You know this team is co- consistently ranked in the top twenty. You know they find sure. themselves in the top ten, and they're competing for the conference championship basically every year, right? Yeah. But they can't get over Ohio State, and I think that True. the opportunity is now for Michigan to make that leap to, you know, take advantage of Ryan Day being a brand new head coach. I mean, Ryan Day, you know, like you said, he was the offensive coordinator last year, and he was the quarterbacks coach back in twenty seventeen. Right. He's worked with Chip Kelly. You know, he knows how to run an offense. But I want to see what he does with the defensive side of the ball. I mean, he's probably not going to be calling plays for them, but I wonder how that's going to affect him. Like you said, you know, Justin Fields, what does he do with that quarterback, you know, and how will it work in the system? I mean, Justin Fields, I feel like, is going to play lights out this year. Okay. But when it comes to the championship, will Jim Harbaugh, you know, and his experience be able to overcome the Justin Fields phenomena that is happening at the time. And, you know, what will Michigan be able to do to counter that? And I feel like now is a good time as any for Michigan to make that leap. And if they win, they got a really tough schedule this year. I'm not saying that it's light. But you need a representative from that conference to make it into the top four, basically, by, by season's end in the college football playoff. And I feel like now is the time because of... Ohio State. I'm not convinced of Ohio State and I'm not sure what to think of Ryan Day quite yet.
1: Okay, that's fair. I'm Alright, Cody, since you're the one who made that statement, well, what what do you gotta say for yourself? Because I know me and Jesse the following week, if uh for the OG listeners out there reacted to it and Jesse famously called Cody an idiot. So
0: <laughs> that I did. <laughs> you really oh, did. Yeah. Cause I listened to that episode next and I was like, Sheesh, man. <laughs>
1: Well, what do you guys say
3: for yourself? Was I wrong?
0: You weren't wrong, but we all be we all be idiots sometimes with some of the takes that we have, which we'll get to in future good take, bad take. But if I'm defending myself, forgive me for having faith in for having faith in Harbaugh, and you know I I feel like I still when I think of Harbaugh I still think of like the fast turnaround that was the 49ers team, right? And you know, just their, you know, meteoric meteoric rise to the top. Also, I know that ignorance is not an excuse, but I'm way more knowledgeable about college football now than I was last year. Last year I was like a passive, or before the season started last year, I was like a passive OU fan versus this past year where I actually watched games and got to know players and was more invested mainly for nfl draft purposes because i'm not a huge college guy i know ignorance is an excuse but it had a role to play in it okay so that's that's me defending myself as far as thinking that harbaugh could actually make the wolverines a top four team. but you know there are some things that i i didn't know as much such as uh you know, how bad Shea Patterson was, but, and, you know, those are some things that you guys definitely knew heading into it that I just wasn't as knowledgeable, knowledgeable about.
1: All right. Okay. Fair enough. I mean, look, in your defense every year, this this is just, you know, general, most college football experts throw in Michigan in there and be like, yeah, you know, this is a team that could, yeah, they could do something like, It's a team that could do something just because Jim Harbaugh's there. And I'm going to say this I don't think Jim Harbaugh's a bad coach, say, because we've seen his success. You know, we've seen his success. I don't know how you, you know, I I don't know how you regress as a coach. I'm pretty sure you can't. By that point, it's basically your players. The thing is about Michigan that I personally really didn't know as much. like, I've seen the pattern is that it's a tough school to get into. Like academically, it's pretty demanding. It's it's, I mean, obviously it's not Stanford or Harvard or Yale, but like, it's pretty demanding compared to the other big 10 schools, like Ohio state. (laughs) I don't know why I said Ohio state first, (laughs) but yeah, Ohio state (laughs) Uh, that, uh, you know, historically may not be as academically prestigious as a university of Michigan. So because of that, it's hard to recruit players that could well first off that are talented and then second off that could withstand the academic uh rigor of university of michigan and then still be kind of okay on the football field So uh yeah that's that's my little defense for you but at the same time i've seen it jesse has seen it obviously being college football fans over the years uh michigan's downfalls despite having some talent there
3: i see it every year
1: but never enough
3: i see it every year go ahead yeah, I'm, that's it. I'm just saying. I see it every year, so that's why I knew it wasn't gonna happen. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, and and right now,
0: I mean, Ohio State is just so good, and they, they continue to be so good every year. And I mean, that's that's the biggest hump to me that I've seen for this Michigan team. I'm pretty sure they haven't beat Ohio State since Harbaugh's been coach. I also wasn't sure about the Ohio State coaching staff. If you listen back to that episode, I expressed doubt in in the new coaching staff at Ohio State. But the whether the coaching staff is the problem or not doesn't
3: matter when you have that much talent honestly. I would just say if you think about it, yeah, they had Justin Fields who's going to win the Heisman next year and you know, they had the number 2 overall pick in Chase Young. So I mean, you had the two best players on both sides of the ball
0: yeah and and that and any any inexperience or you know any lack of coaching i you can mask that up with two of the i'd say top five players in the country so
1: um i was gonna ask real quick did you want to react to that take two since it was in the same episode we totally can which take um doubt about ohio state's uh, staff
0: oh well it, it's it's a two-sided coin you know uh and uh it it's not like a different take it's just a part of the bad take that was the michigan take more than anything but something that i do want to discuss about the michigan take and you and i talked about it simon is if michigan a if michigan didn't make the college football playoff what did john harbaugh's job security look like and if they didn't finish as a jim top harbaugh. 10, or which what did i say john I said
1: john yeah
0: jim harbaugh my bad should what's the status of jim harbaugh's job security and then there is also a statement thrown around that if they finished outside the top 10 that maybe he should be fired simon you already kind of defended him jesse what are your thoughts on michigan they finished
3: 18th by the way at nine and four I'm gonna say I think he should be fired, but he's not going to get fired. Just because it's it's Jim Harbaugh and that's that's who coaches Michigan. It's, it's sad, but
0: that's it. Do you think Michigan will ever accomplish anything with Harbaugh there?
3: Uh they could maybe, but I don't know. I, there's always gonna be a disappointment to me forever and ne- always.
1: Oh my <laughs> gosh! <laughs> he said forever. For, hey, uh, Lee, did you have anything you wanted to add on by the way?
2: Um yeah, I would I would definitely agree with Jesse. I think he, you know, if he does finish so poorly next year, he should be fired, you know? Um but he probably won't. I I mean, I would have to imagine that he won't. Jim Harbaugh has that he has that uh that, that gravitas behind him that that isn't going to let himself be fired. You know what I mean?
1: you can't
3: fire
1: me i quit see that's true though because like like realistically i mean i said this back then and i kind of agree with it but nowadays it's like hold up jim harbaugh gets fired who are you going to replace him with who's better than him could bring in the same recruits like him because let's not get it twisted jim harbaugh has brought in some really good recruits better than some of the past you know university of michigan coaches. recruits like a Devin bush um, I'm pretty sure Rashawn Gary. Uh, I don't know about Jabril Peppers. I don't think so, right? No?
0: No, that was the previous <clears> half. <throat> I'm almost positive.
1: Yeah. Jordan Lewis, another cornerback. Uh, even on the offensive side of the ball, you got Nico Collins, Donovan Peoples-Jones, guys like that who have contributed to Michigan. And I'm not going to lie. like If we look back at the previous Michigan era – it's not the greatest like you can't really list that many at least as many you know talented successful football players who went on to the NFL and got drafted high and went on to the NFL you know so I don't know that's just my thing like I don't think that Michigan could hire somebody better than Jim Harbaugh right now Jesse No, that radical
2: no and that's a very fair point to make I think is that you know Maybe firing him, even if he does do poorly, isn't the right choice because who are you going to replace him with? You're still going to replace him with somebody worse. So what's the point in firing him, right? If he's the best you boot. can do with Jesse Booten. Fair enough. That's the best choice I would agree <laughs> with. Jesse Booten for Michigan head coach. Yep. I think we can all agree. All of that. us
1: for Michigan coaching staff.
0: The cycle 365 for the Michigan coaching staff. And the cycle 365 still to purchase... The Washington football team, you can go back to that episode. I don't remember which one it is, and contribute to the GoFundMe. We're just trying to raise a couple billion dollars, guys. We're not even asking it for that much.
1: Yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, I'm sure that'll be another good take, bad take segment, too. We uh when we get to that. But
0: it's our uh, greatest take. But anyways, um
1: one of our greatest, yeah.
0: You guys all talked about, you know the drop off that happens after Harbaugh and you know, his job security is pretty firm. What would it take for Jim Harbaugh to be fired? Jesse, you talked about it a little bit that said, even if he didn't do good, he wouldn't be fired. How bad would he have to do to lose his job?
3: Um, I don't think performance has anything to do with it. I think it's the donors and the alumni and the, uh, you know, students and faculty that say, we need to get him out of here. We want to win football games. I don't think he'll ever get fired as a Michigan coach for for playing poor, <laughs> poorly.
1: Wow. That's bold.
3: Is that – do you think that's just because of, like, name value or – Absolutely. I think a recruit sees, oh, it's Michigan with Jim Harbaugh. We're going there.
1: Hmm. What?
3: simon lane thoughts go ahead simon
1: yeah um look i mean if i'm being honest it would probably take a pretty significant scandal for him to get fired i'm just being honest i look we, we give jim harbaugh a you know a bunch of we we you know we we're we're tough on him we're tough on him but the thing is he still has a 47 and 18 record which is pretty good you know at michigan thing about Jim Harbaugh is that he can't like the famous thing about him is that him and his team can't win the big games so like Ohio State or even Penn State matter Penn State's been on the rise and so it's just like I he hasn't done enough to like you know get get him fired like the only thing really against him is that he has one bowl win while being at Michigan out of five years, right? Wait, one, two, three, four. Yeah. Out of five. <laughs> so that's the only thing. He still has a 47, in, a 47 and 18 record, which is really good. And I mean, like, look, you can't fire somebody for winning X amount of games, which is significantly more than the last guy, you know? So I just, I mean, I don't know. I really don't think now is the time to roll the dice either. Cause you got up and coming programs like Minnesota, Ohio State's always gonna be there. Penn State's always up and coming. Wisconsin always finds a way to compete. So if Michigan really wants to roll the dice and fire Jim Harbaugh and see what happens, I just think that's more risky than anything because you're guaranteeing failure. If if anything, at least with Harbaugh, you're guaranteeing that you have a chance. Because you know, he's somebody who recruits generally well. He's somebody who, you know, connects to his players generally well. So I mean that's I just think it won't happen unless it's a scandal.
2: Yeah, that's pretty fair, and I would I would agree. Um I think he's he's overall too good of a coach um to be firing unless he's gone like ten years without a single, you know, bull win, even if he goes to the playoffs every year. You know, at that point there's something a little bit more systemic about those those big game losses than than just being able to blame it on oh bad luck or our opponent is just better than us, right? So I think even if he doesn't do great this year, how many how many poor seasons do you allow for a coach with with that kind of strength? You know, how many how many poor seasons would we allow a Bill Belichick? Right? Would we allow a Bill Belichick a a three and thirteen season?
0: We allowed a coach Collins to win like less than half of his games here, so
2: Yeah, exactly. So (laughs) But that's (laughs) (laughs) US Right. But you know what I mean, like, what what leeway do we give a, a great coach, an all time great coach?
0: I think he'd have to finish under five hundred for like,
2: for the question that you at least asked.
0: consecutive for consecutive seasons or even multiple seasons. Right. Like, yes, they want to compete, but at least they're relevant right now. It like kind of what Simon was saying, you know. Like, I didn't know that his record yeah. was forty seven and eighteen. Like, yeah, that's that's pretty good, but. Yeah, better than CU probably in the past five years. Oh, for sure.
1: And I mean, I think this is worth bringing up. Now, recruiting wise, he's very good. Like in the class of 2021, he did finesse. In my opinion, he's the best quarterback in this next high school class. Uh, JJ McCarthy, who will be playing, uh, well, okay, I won't say will be, but assuming sports goes on, he will be playing for IMG Academy. Uh, he is a very talented quarterback. And I don't think he'd be the first five-star guy because they still got their boy Dylan McCaffrey. Loki probably should have started over Shea Patterson, but, you know, it, it is what it is. So, I mean, it's just commits like that, that the past coaching staffs at Michigan just couldn't do. Like, they just couldn't do because they're not Jim Harbaugh. And, I mean, I guess I think eventually gets to the point where you get tired of him losing the big games, but that might take some time like i think for that to happen you gotta i don't want to curse michigan like this but if they lose 10 straight ball games for 10 straight years then yeah like sorry bruh but like that's not gonna work like you're you're fired because by that point you know you got some time bias you know and then you could just forget about the old era and then tell you slip back in my opinion i think it would do them good just to keep him it's just my opinion because uh, I don't think there's a better coach coach out there. They unless they have some inside information that we don't, which they might uh, Jim Harbaugh, you know.
2: Yeah, and I'm sure that's what they're saying too. It's Jim Harbaugh. Leave him alone. Huh? He'll, he'll get us there. You know, to have some faith, trust the process, trust the system.
1: Because they're always in the dance, they're always in the dance. They just can't finish. See, did you have anything to add to that?
3: Nope, you
1: guys covered it. <laughs> okay, is um,
0: pat in his Harbaugh stance.
1: Um, so I'm just going. You know, we're we're gonna go take for take. Look, we reacted to that take. I mean, obviously, wasn't a great take. We'll call it a bad take. Oh, so there there it is. But just to add on to that. Um, here's my take about Jim Harbaugh if he was at any other college that didn't have as demanding of an academic program would probably have at least one playoff appearance by now maybe even one playoff win say if Jim Harbaugh was the coach of LSU or UT or Florida State one of those or Florida I think he would for sure
2: All right well
0: we will remember that and by remember that, I mean we will stumble across this episode when we started doing good take bad take and if it ever happens, we will react to it with a good take or bad
3: take.
1: There you go. So is that is that it?
3: Yep. I think that does it for this week on the cycle. Special thanks to our uh, our guest Liam. That was awesome.
0: Yes. Yeah, thanks yeah. for having me on. Well, thanks for taking time out of your busy day to join us.
3: Of
2: course, my pleasure.
1: And hopefully, Liam, we could have you on more because you know, it's always a pleasure to talk to you, get an outside opinion on sports. As always, that's what we do here at the Cycle 365 and as many perspectives as we can. And on that note, make sure you check out our last mini series episode, episode four, about discrimination in youth sports, where myself, Uh, Nick Garza, Jake Schaefer talk about our personal experiences. I've already gotten a couple messages from a couple people about that episode in a good way. In a good way, that is. Uh, It's very eye opening. It's very emotionally vulnerable, I would say. And it's, I mean, well, it's our experiences. So it's real. It's real. Make sure you check that out. Make sure you check out all the other ones as well, along with the last one with Jasmine Hughes. Um, Oh, make sure you. Check out our social media at the Cycle Three Six Five on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, especially Instagram because we're going to be finishing up Oz Fan Fictional Football Team through polls. That'll be wrapping up either by the end of this week when it gets posted, or by next week. So keep an eye out for that. And uh, yeah, I am one of your co-hosts, Simon villanos I'm Cody Stauffer.
3: And I'm Jesse Boone.
1: Peace. There you go. That's it.